0: You're listening to the Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Fully Occupied Show. We appreciate your support. Be sure to follow us on your favorite listening platform. Uh, we have an awesome episode today. Uh, Michael Salafia from Stax Equity and Squirrel joins us. Stax Equ- Equity is a uh, private equity fund that uh, purchases uh, commercial real estate, uh, triple net leased uh, assets, uh, and increases their value. Uh, one of their major clients is Squirrel. They are revolutionizing the gas station uh, convenience store concept uh, one state at a time. Uh, Michael walks us through uh, their strategy on how they're taking uh, gas stations and creating uh, much more client-centric experiences, his take on the EV charging market, uh, and a whole multitude of other things that are interesting to the everyday consumer as we are all uh, stopping at gas stations from time to time. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hey Michael, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey Matt, thanks for having me on, it's a pleasure.
0: Cool, it's great to meet you. Um, Doing some background on uh, your various business ventures, I wouldn't do it justice to try to um, explain all the cool stuff you have going on. So why don't you give yourself an intro for the audience here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Michael Salafia. I'm the managing partner at Stacks Equity and Stacks Ventures. We're a private equity firm based in Miami Beach, Florida. We specialize in commercial real estate investment. Our strategy focuses on a value-add approach to single tenant net leased assets. Basically, we look for properties that have underperforming management, but strong real estate fundamentals. We acquire these properties, renovate them, install a new tenant and operator, and increase the uh, EBITDA and store performance. our largest client is actually called Squirrel. Squirrel is the fastest growing independent operator of gas stations and convenience stores in the United States right now. I'm actually the head of real estate for Squirrel. And the CEO of Squirrel is a partner in the private equity fund.
0: Cool. Well, let's break that down a little bit. So let's talk about the, the real estate business. Um, so your strategy is to Basically, find underperforming assets, turn them around. Are you focused on, specifically on um, the retail sector, or is it any sort of uh, net leased asset?
1: Yeah, very focused on retail. It could be any sort of net leased asset. We've been uh, doing a lot of peripheral in the energy structure. So even something like a billboard is technically a piece of net leased real estate, um, and we're doing we're doing quite a quite a bit with that, um, as well as fuel and energy supply, EV uh, installing EV charging stations and just continuing to innovate in the convenience store space. As we see this shift, uh, towards non-fuel retail sales becoming more
0: prominent in the convenience store space. Um, what's your geographic uh, focus? Do you have, I mean, squirrels, obviously growing fastest growing national, uh, you know, gas station chain, are you guys all over the place or what's your kind of strategy there?
1: Well, I'll tell you what we're very we're very opportunistic, and we've been moving into markets on a state by state basis where there's a good opportunity to open up new stores and and execute on our strategy. We love Florida. Uh, Squirrel was founded in Arkansas, so we have a large presence there, and we really focus on the states where we're seeing high growth rate uh driven by economic fundamentals right uh we i really care about job creation and why the population is growing more than just uh non-sustainable trends
0: got it yeah so obviously more people more cars more need for fuel more more spending power in that in that population thus probably a good growth market to get into um absolutely yeah i mean I got two young kids, and I drive a lot, so i i could I could name all the all the things that I love about convenience stores and all the things I hate about them what are What are the some of the things that you see in like some of the most like underperforming stores that you guys turn around
1: It's interesting. Uh, part of the fundamentals for Squirrel came from uh, my partner, Blake. His wife and him have four daughters, right? So when his wife's driving around, she's very particular about which convenience stores or gas stations she could stop at. They need to have a clean restroom and be family-friendly inside. So that's a core principle at Squirrel, that all of our stores are family-friendly and have immaculately clean restrooms. (laughs) We even, if you look on social media, you can see we put bidets in some of the stores. And that's always a big uh, <laughs> hint that people get. Yeah, it's very funny. It's very funny. Uh, but, but truly, it's about creating a safe place for people to stop and fill up, um, a, a nice well-lit environment, right? Where challenges with some convenience stores and a lot of them that we acquire, they become run down. Um, they don't have adequate security. They're not well-lit. There's paraphernalia being sold inside of the store. We we don't do that. We do the opposite.
0: Yeah, so you're you're not going to um, fear for your life while you're pumping your gas and then walk inside to pay and you know buy like a, a glass like bong or pipe or something like that to you
1: know, exactly. And hey, there <laughs> there be been nothing wrong with a cannabis retailer and dispensary that's licensed operating next to the convenience store, but that doesn't need to be in there where you're coming in with your young children and, you know, getting them, uh, some soda and potato chips
0: yeah, or hopefully you, a healthy drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a prime is what the kids like these days. Um, are you, are you guys, uh, usually the only tenant in the space Are you co co-tenanting with certain other retailers or is there a partnership? All the time.
1: All yeah. of the time. Um, we love acquiring stores that might have another franchise inside. Um, we have some stores with McDonald's, some with Subway and in our model, we're adaptive to the hyper-local market. So when we have the opportunity and we don't need to use a national retailer, one technique that we like to do is take whoever's the coolest local food truck, we'll let them operate inside of the kitchen space in the convenience store because the fresh and prepared foods are one of our highest profitable items to sell and it brings in a big demand so if you have that local flavor it's fantastic we're buying a store right now or we just closed on it it's in Cocoa Florida and it actually has a taco shop inside of the convenience store there's no wall separating it the operators are doing great they're just local operators um, they report up to us and, you know, we basically manage them as a subtenant, but we share the space and it's going very well.
0: Yeah. It's like an episode of like diners, drive-ins and dives where like Guy Fieri, like pulls over into like a gas station and there's like a, a taco stand, like running out of the back. It's, you yep. probably, you could probably find some much better food than the, um, 7-Eleven hot dog on the roller heating up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not that hard. Right. I mean... Uh, yeah, I think like my experience with convenience stores is you, the highway ones, you typically get like, the, you know, the big chains, right? You get like the operators mm-hmm. that are at the McDonald's, the Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, and you know what you're going to get. Uh, and then you have like your suburban ones, which are usually pretty clean and nice. And then you have kind of your outlying areas that might be a little sketchier. Um, wh- where do you see the biggest opportunity? Is it is it in underserved areas? Obviously, you just, you know, told us your thesis of the, the population growth and looking at you know, fundamentals from an economic standpoint. Um, but like, where is the biggest kind of margin for you guys to improve? Um, is it along the highways? Is it rural? Is it, you know, CBD type of, of situations or is it, does it matter?
1: It's, it's really a mix of all three. Um, at squirrel in particular, we do have a rural market strategy that works very well in those stores they become more of a neighborhood corner store and a center for the community because typically you'll have you know a a one supermarket one gas station you're in a very rural area um we can put them next to a dollar general because dollar general does not sell prepared foods uh so the two will pair well together um for example we're acquiring one in a more rural area of missouri Is across from a dog food plant, um, dog food manufacturing plant. It's one of the largest in the United States. There's a lot of workers there. There's a lot of tractor-trailer trucks. So for us, we can sell the diesel fuel to the tractor-trailer trucks. That's very lucrative. Um, And additionally, we can sell hot and prepared foods, right? There's nowhere for all of those workers to eat, and there's thousands of them. And they have nowhere to get lunch, nowhere to you know stop and buy a beer. So we even put picnic tables outside with a canopy, so that way you can just after work, you know, pick up uh, some fried chicken and beer and hang out outside.
0: Yeah. Are you guys? Um, I've always been kind of fascinated by the convenience store and gas station combination. Walk, walk us through like the difference between the convenience store business and the selling gas business
1: so it's on a case-by-case basis right and for us for squirrel specifically all of our stores are company owned and company operated so everyone inside of the store is a corporate employee they receive full benefits and they get paid above minimum wage i I don't really know of many gas station operators doing that the fuel business itself it's going to be on a case-by-case basis and this just applies to the fuel industry as a whole um you have supply contracts so in some markets at squirrel we're our own suppliers of fuel and frankly we're just getting shell fuel that's unbranded and we're selling at the squirrel stations so you're buying really good quality shell fuel when we have it unbranded on others we have to assume existing fuel supply contracts and deal with that or we can buy out the existing fuel supply contract uh, typically with, with a partner, right, and, and sign something new. So it's on a market-by-market market basis to determine what the best, what we call flag, is going to be. What, what brand of fuel should we use? Now, our margins, when we go unbranded and sell squirrel fuel, that's when we have slightly higher margins. However, that could easily be offset um, by doing a deal with Shell or Chevron, right, and, and selling their fuel. And it depends on the market there's certain mark areas of the country where bp is is um seen as a lower quality brand and other areas of the country where bp is considered a premium brand and it's funny how much it'll shift it's kind of on a state-by-state basis for the most part
0: that is kind of funny um i always i mean i don't have like a affinity towards a certain brand but there are certain brands in the area where I live where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go to the Shell station or I'm going to go to the mobile station, um, but I'm not going to go to that off-brand gas station down on the corner because I have no idea where that fuel is coming from. But right, it could it could just be Shell fuel. Just you know, they're just being supplied by it. Not they're not putting the flag up. I guess I don't know.
1: Right, um, the, right? the flag yeah. is expensive. You know, yeah. there you're, you're giving up a lot of margins to have that brand.
0: Yeah. And I've also always been fascinated by um, you know those intersections where there's four different gas stations and three of them have the same price for 93. And one of them has like a price that's 40 cents more expensive per gallon. And I don't know if that has to do with the um, the curb cuts and how easy it is to get in and get out of that lot. Mm-hmm. Like This must be more expensive here because it's just easier to get in and out and people are willing to like pay for that convenience. I don't know if that's the factor or not but i'm just i've just always been fascinated by how like the competition in like a certain strip or a certain intersection works
1: there's going to be multiple factors but the flow of traffic is is predominant you hit the nail on the head there that's the biggest reason right other than that when you put multiple gas station operators against each other there are economies of scale and competition for example if we have a a 711 that's corporate across the street from one of our squirrel stores we're not going to outperform 711 on cost of fuel they will always beat us at that game they're much larger so they will have uh lower cost of fuel so they can always undercut our mark our prices on that so you have to kind of pick and choose your battle on a case by case basis and it depends on who you're going up against
0: yeah yeah totally um Let's, let's uh, shift the discussion towards like EV and EV charging because that's obviously part mm. of the thesis here as well. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we're in like the, like the first inning of figuring out how to build an EV infrastructure throughout the country. Um, we are. Yeah, maybe not even the first inning. We're still experimenting with it, but obviously some states and cities are further ahead than others in, in terms of figuring it out. But just before we go into the micro of squirrels strategy with it, just can you give us a little bit of a kind of a flyover of like the EV world right now? And then also, um, what, like, what you're seeing in terms of the development of, of like a nationwide infrastructure for charging stations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a big political and social undercurrent pushing this forward, right? But the that current is not, is stronger than the actual demand, right? Based on the amount of EVs that are on the road. So again, the EV infrastructure investments are hyperlocal, right? It's, it's on a corner by corner basis. If it makes sense to install an EV charger there. And the cost of installing these is actually pretty expensive. So you have to set it up with some kind of financing mechanism no matter who you are to make sure it it works out because you could end up just kind of putting those out there more as a reason to tell people that your hotel is green rather than actually profiting on the EV charging component of, the, uh, of that deal. So big picture, that's kind of where it's at.
0: Right, so it's, until there's more demand for it, it will be a, kind of high cost way of installing these things. And I would imagine I'm not an expert in it, but there's probably multiple different ways you can structure those, um, those investments, right? You could buy it outright, install it, own it and operate it, you could hire a third party to install it and operate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who makes money off the electricity? I guess what are those different models um, for EV, EV charging stations?
1: in an ideal world and you'll hear other operators pitch this we're going to put solar panels on top of the convenience store we're going to put solar panels on top of the fuel canopy create a storage device um, like a giant battery essentially to store the energy and we will sell the solar energy through these ev charging outlets and even sell any excess energy back to the grid that sounds great in theory okay In practicality, unless you have data to show me that there is a substantial amount of EV traffic and we can profit from doing that level of uh, capital expenditure on solar panels and battery chargers, I'm not going to make that investment. That play is not for me. Um, If we want to get specific, okay, um, in Florida, FPL, that's the main electricity utility provider in Florida, They emailed me actually today saying, hey, Michael, we have a new program, we'll install the EV chargers at your properties and we'll actually pay you to do it and we'll share profits with you. Okay, that's way more attractive because now we can start testing it, right? And if that model becomes lucrative, then I can take FPL's position and be the infrastructure investor. But right now, it's very uncertain as to how profitable this is actually going to be. And there's a lack of data to make an educated decision. So there's a lot of speculation happening.
0: Yeah. Is there is there a first mover's advantage here um, across your portfolio or just on an individual gas station basis? Like if if you're the like the first one in town to have the charging stations, does that help? I... I or- Yeah, it it does. It does, especially when it comes to
1: brand recognition, right? So for Squirrel, we're still small. I don't know if it's going to make a huge difference for Squirrel in particular. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll have a big enough footprint for that to matter. Um, But if you're, for example, Circle K and you have over a 1,000 stores, all right, well, if the market starts thinking of, oh, Circle K, a place where I can charge my EV, that would be very positive, right? There's your first mover advantage. It's just creating that connection in the EV driver's mind that they can always stop at a Circle K. And we are working towards creating that for Squirrels, but we're at uh, about 165 stores as of today across 13 states. So it's a bit spread out. Um, and once we reach a more critical mass, say in a state like Florida and Texas, where there is a higher rate of EV adoption, it would be more advantageous for us to, to have that brand recognition.
0: Yep. With the installation of the EV chargers, do you have to start thinking about a whole new set of amenities, um, for the space? I'm just thinking like, absolutely. yeah, it's going to take 20 minutes for me to charge my battery. Like, what am I going to do here? Right. Else, so maybe. that
1: that yeah, and, and that's been the transition, right? How do you bring experiential retail into the convenience store space? So take a step back. The entire notion of a convenience store is that it's supposed to be fast and convenient. You can get in and, in and, out. and out as quickly yeah. as possible, right? So let's say average time in store is two to three minutes. All of a sudden we have an EV charger guy is that 10 to 15 minutes while the ev charging happens what can we do to improve that experience so we're looking at many different avenues um creating space for cafe style seating inside of the store offering free wi-fi again having clean reliable restrooms um, improving the coffee service very specifically with coffee we partner with local roasters right and bring in their beans so we don't have a full starbucks inside but we have good quality coffee that's being offered not just the typical gas station coffee that's you know not very good um and again it's on a hyper local basis the demand has to be there from the customers but we're all about elevating the customer experience inside of the convenience store keeping them in the store longer um and 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 there's a few other avenues of that and i could i'd be happy to elaborate and give
0: more examples no that 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 makes total sense i think just having wi-fi clean restroom and a place to sit down and i don't know either plug in do some work on your laptop or scroll on your phone or have a good cup of coffee that goes a long way (laughs) with people saying you know i'm gonna stop there versus there um just one pet peeve of mine from my extensive convenience store experience over the years is how come how come convenience stores haven't like figured out like an express scratch ticket line yet?
1: I know. I I, I wasn't sure if we could talk about the scratch tickets, but that's another huge driver for us, right? It's literally people want to be able to buy a bunch of scratch tickets, sit down and do that. And when you have this checkout register with somebody buying scratch tickets and someone who just needs to pay and leave. It's very frustrating for the customer that needs to pay and leave. So all of our, at Squirrel, all of our employees are trained on how to handle that. Why? Because we're different in the market and we're competing based on our quality of service. That's our key differentiator of Squirrel. When You come into a Squirrel, you're greeted with the highest level of uh, service quality. Greeted with a smile. Yeah, everything's well yeah. lit there's, there's no nothing... drop tile ceilings we finish the ceilings make them all wow. nice we have recessed lighting like you have in your house it looks nice inside you don't feel like you're in a sketchy gas station
0: yeah um do you have like the prepare like i think one one place that i've grown to love over the years is wawa's because they have mm-hmm. the um You know maybe they have good sandwiches basically and you could you could build them and you could customize them and they actually have somebody there like that's making your sandwich fresh versus grabbing the plastic wrap sandwich and wondering if it's three days old seven days old or whatever
1: exactly exactly and they do a fantastic job with that wawa is arguably a quick service restaurant disguised as a gas station convenience store yeah Right. Totally. All their fuel is unbranded, but people are buying it
0: and they're like, oh, well, gas, it's good. Is it? Yeah. No, you I know? just want to, I just want a large Italian sub that I know is going to be fresh.
1: <laughs> um. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why I love the, the food truck play. I mean, it, you can't go wrong. It gives a hyper-local flair. And then when in doubt, we usually have a fried chicken concept or, or one of the other uh, nationals, like a subway or something like that.
0: Cool. Is there anything else about Stacks or Squirrel that you'd want our audience to know? um
1: our stacks ventures fund one is open still um so we are raising funds through credit investors and they can definitely visit stacksequity.com to get in touch with me and we can explain the thesis from there but um our, our strategy is very sound and i love what we're doing i love what we're doing because one we're achieving above market return on investments okay that's great that's what everybody wants but two we're creating jobs. We're improving the infrastructure of America one corner store at a time. I mean, these stores that we're buying before, you know, you had people who were underpaid, they're struggling to be open. And now we're giving them proper corporate jobs. They're getting health insurance. They're getting 401ks, right, for working at a gas station. It's incredible. The, the social impact that we have is incredible. And at every single store, there's a story with someone who has a family that we've really helped turn their life around by revitalizing the business. So that's what I love about what we're doing.
0: Cool. It's pretty inspirational. Um, let's, let's pivot into some, uh, rapid fire questions. Um, I'm going to give you, we're going to go five questions and, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to rapid fire them at you and you can, you can, uh, elaborate as much as you want, or just give me one word answers. Um, question number one, are you a morning person or a night owl? night out. What's your typical bedtime there? Are you are you like, past midnight? Um uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm past midnight. What I don't know. I think it's just inherent. It, I just it's just natural. I try
1: to be a morning person. Last night, I went to sleep super early. had a glass of red wine got real sleepy, went to bed early. But in general, I'm just up at night. It, it is what it is. We'll be in this office with my team, nine o'clock. On, on nights regularly, we'll be here from nine a.m. to nine p.m. on a regular basis. Sometimes we'll stay later, depending on how much we have to get done. But we're always we're always cranking. We're really hard workers here.
0: Cool question two: um, If you could have dinner with any famous person, um, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, I'd have dinner
1: with dead Albert Einstein, alive Drake.
0: Nice. Nice. Uh, hip-hop fan or just a big drink yeah, guy? Huge, yeah, huge hip-hop fan. And and big theory I, of rel- I just think it would be a
1: fun dinner. It would be fun. We'd be chilling and have a great time, right? So there it is. And then on the other thing, I'm bringing somebody back from the dead who is a genius. Let's let's dive into that conversation and see what yeah. we can pick out of that brain.
0: Get one or two ideas from that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Uh, If you were going into a convenience store to grab a slice of pizza, what would be your go-to topping?
1: Well, you know, it depends on the convenience store. If we were going into one where we have a full concept, I would go with like the spicy salami with the Calabrian chili and the honey drizzle. But if it's a regular store, I'll just go with the pepperoni.
0: All right. Right down the middle there. Uh, question four, um, besides a squirrel convenience store, what is the most interesting place you've ever visited? Like in the world. Yeah. Like a good place in the world. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you haven't been there yet. Who knows? I don't know. New Manhattan. It's pretty interesting. There, it's,
1: it's a mesmerizing, amazing world and I've traveled all over the world.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, you get pretty much a slice of it everywhere in the world in Manhattan. So mm-hmm. you can get whatever you mm-hmm. want. The um, energy is incredible. Unbeatable. Um, all right. Well, it's been awesome having you on the show. There's one final question that we ask everybody, like who, who are one or two people you think would be interesting guests for us to, to host?
1: Interesting question. Um, I would love for you to interview Blake Smith, CEO and founder of Squirrel, also my partner. So I'll give that plug, um, unconnected to me. I'm going to make a recommendation for Elon Musk to join you on the show, because I think your show is fantastic and he could offer a lot to your audience and he's got to support, uh, the, uh, local producers, you know?
0: Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm sure he'll out, out, um, duel me. Maybe, you know, intellectually, but I could, I think I could stay with him. Yeah. Well, Michael, it's been great having you on the show. Um, if people wanted to find out uh, more about Squirrel or Stacks or just reach out to you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would recommend going to our website, StacksEquity.com, StaxEquity.com, S-T-A-X Equity.com, or just plug that into a Google search or search my name, Michael Salafia and we are very easy to find.
0: Awesome, thanks Michael, appreciate you having me on. Thanks Matt, take care.